that's within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals you of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. For David, as you know, he was a young shepherd boy. He grew up to be king. He had so many remarkable stories of God's grace in his life. David was a man who was of great grace and mercy to others, but he truly loved God. Now, David was a man also who committed sin on many occasions. And every time he would seek God's forgiveness in a powerful way, and God would redeem him. He suffered great loss, even the loss of his own child, his own son, when he rebelled against him, as well as other things that he was partially responsible for. But no matter what the circumstance, David found a way to praise God, to give God to things, and to understand that it is our relationship through Christ to God that makes us who we are in our Christian faith. As a pastor, I cannot make a person closer to Jesus. I wish I could. I wish I could make it where they could easily walk with the Lord every day. But it's a struggle because people choose their own way, their own path. And sometimes that path is not towards God or towards Christ. It's a way. But in this scripture, David is showing us how we are to make this path to God. Remember last Sunday, we talked about how God makes the path and we make the choice. And when we make the choice, God makes the path uh, where we're able to step towards him closer. And that is what we saw in our revival. I know for one, I was brought closer to the Lord with the gospel preaching uh, sort of Dr. Laura shared. So let's look at how David, who would often wander away and be in sin and sorrow, they do always come together, uh, and he was brought closer to God. He starts out saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. He, he shows us where we are to have this relationship. This relationship is not a head relationship, it is a heart relationship. Um, I know Hannah is in school and she's talking seminary now and all the different theologies and we're now having some deep discussions. And a lot of this is head-related things, things that relate to thought and ideas, like questions of who is God and what does God do and how is God in my life, these questions that we look for answers. Well, David is showing us that the answer to be a thankful people is not based on us counting these things in our head. It's not like, okay, we've had a thousand blessings, so we have to you know, praise him a thousand times. For David, he's saying that we are blessed. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. He relates it to his soul. He relates it to where God is connected to us. Um, the ancient Phoenicians, who were seafaring people in the Old Testament, there's been some debate of who these Phoenicians are. There's not a lot of archaeological record upon it. Some people think they were Europeans who were sailing in the Mediterranean, but they're very influential in Old Testament theology, especially in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, as they would invade the lands. They were like pirates in a way, but in an ancient way. Um, but they had a saying that the eyes are the windows of the soul, that when you look upon the eyes, you see the heart of the person. Now, they were pagans. They were not believers in the one God, Yahweh, but there's a lot of influence that the Jewish people of the ancient day had upon the Phoenicians 
and the Phoenicians were able to understand God in this greater way, that we look for this connection, what's called the God connection, where God connects to us and we connect to God. And David is saying, bless the Lord, O my soul. He's saying where the connection takes place. Doesn't take place through the head. Doesn't take place through the stomach. <laughs> um, that's one of the old stories, you know, if you want to, uh, you want to get someone in a relationship, you feed them real good, and uh, especially a biscuit. I know years ago, and I guarantee you, Leon will make me pay for this, but years ago, when I was dating, uh, I talked to my grandmother about having Leona come over to learn to make biscuits. Now, uh, so you never did that, right? You never went over and... Uh, uh, but she learned to make them on her own. I have to be careful there. I told you, it's like walking on a minefield. I'm, I'm in trouble now. Uh, but I do know my sister tried to make biscuits, and my daddy whispered to me, bury them in the backyard after the meal, and I did. And the grass didn't grow there for a long time. Uh, uh, but working with our relationship to God, it's not about the stomach, and it's not about the mind. It's about the soul. Uh, and David is saying for us to be thankful, we certainly should be uh, just a thankful people with grace and you know, thanking God for our daily bread. And we should be thankful for the knowledge of understanding that God gives us. But ultimately, to be a thankful people is to have a connection with the soul. And then he, he actually describes this. He says, and all that is within me, and the soul really is who we are. We not, we're not who we think we are. We are who we are. In other words, our identity is, is made up not of the things that are of the world or things that are temporary. In fact, if you look on it, in our journey of life, all these temporary things will start to fall away. And all that is left of us in eternity is our relationship with God of who we truly are. When I was a young boy, I wrote this poem, I am who I am, no ears that listen and eyes that see no other is myself though alike we may be I am who I am no other is like me I was like 10 years old when I wrote that I was at that point in trying to figure out who I was you know and it was all based on this uniqueness of being me who I am but then years later when I went to seminary I wrote the poem I am who I am in Christ so now my identity is not tied up into self, it's tied up into all that is within me, my relationship with God. And David is doing this. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. So he's showing us the background, how do we come into the presence of God with thanksgiving. And then he further describes it and he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now he's singing this. Imagine him showing his compassion, his passion. He's singing this. He's singing out loud, singing out strong. He has a great voice. He may be dancing. And he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all his benefits. Now that is important because in our relationship with God, his benefits are means of grace is what John Wesley called this. And the means of grace are things that God does for us that we do not deserve. These things open up channels, like channels. It's like a shaft of light that shines down, 
and it makes it where we're able to step into God's light, step into God's presence. Sometimes this window on Sunday mornings shines on me, I understand, and it makes my hair glow, and that's really a good technique. If we could maybe put a fan here and have it blowing a little bit, then uh, we could really have something going on. Um, I'm not sure it would really be the best thing to do, uh, but it's amazing how God, he provides the blessings for us. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and do not forget all his benefits, ways that God has opened up our hearts and our lives to receive the blessings. Seems like every day there's a story of somebody blowing a good thing, someone ruining a great opportunity, someone not realizing the blessings that are truly taking place, and people go about the, their own business instead of realizing the benefits. So what are the benefits of coming? What are the benefits of being a card-carrying Christian? What are the benefits of being back? Well, uh, here at Spring Hill, y'all got a lot of benefits. There's no other club. We have wonderful civic groups and wonderful groups that do wonderful work. But the fact is, nobody benefits from what's in the chalk. Well, for one thing, you got a kindly preacher. Amen. Amen. I'm going to start right there. No, no, I better not start there. That's, not the, that's the place you end, not the place you start. Let's talk about the great benefits. We have an opportunity to come together and to worship God. We enjoy ourselves. We have a choir that loves to sing. They love to celebrate. And I'm looking forward to the cantata Sunday night. It's going to be great. I look forward to all the uh, excitement around it and all the hard work that's gone into it. We had the benefit of being lifted up. We had the benefit of having communion or a spiritual element can enter into our lives. It's been given from the very beginning, from the Last Supper, to Jesus instituting this great sacrament of faith. We have that benefit. We have the benefit of baptism and renewal of the covenant that we're born into. Like with Landy, we had Sunday, the renewal of baptism. So we had the benefit of being together as a church of Jesus Christ. Though we, we may be in name Methodist, perhaps for a few, well, just a few more years, and that probably will change with the coming changes that are happening in our denomination, you can rest assured that Christ is proclaimed from this pulpit, the word of God is read from this pulpit, and we as the church follow the teachings of the Holy Scripture as contained in the Old and the New Testament. The benefits, the benefits of having a, so a church, a ministry that loves children. I, I tell you, I love children. I love them in worship. You notice how we interplay often I even asked them Sunday if they like you know cranberry and they were going no uh, it, it, children bring us the benefit of being you know a family together to watch them grow up and we've watched these children grow up even in the few years I've been here and you've seen even more that some of the children now are some of the adults that help lead the church the benefit of family God has given to us that we are one family. Name, name me another institution that can give you all of that. Being a member of a political party can't give you. You may be able to wear a funny hat and dance around with a, you know, just a flag, and that's a wonderful thing in America. But that is not a benefit that uh, transcends our current state, because what we're being offered is something that goes way beyond 
this moment. It ties us to the ancient world and the future world. We get the benefits of God's grace. See, see church comes with a lot of benefits. Now, we had the wedding for Hannah. Uh, not for Hannah yet. It's so for Leanna. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, babe. Um, I'd, I'd tell you that's been over in Kuwait. They say so. A BB, a BB. I heard that all the time over there. A BB, a BB. Uh, it's. I'm starting to speak some of their language now. Well, when we went to the wedding for Leanna, uh, during the ceremony, we had already had to sign like five papers at the meal before. Then during the ceremony, their scribe comes up, and I had to sign another maybe eight pages. And then after the service, I had to sign. And I told Leon, I said, I don't know if I signed away my truck or not. I don't know. <laughs> Why did they make us sign so many papers? I, I mean, here in America, we just sent it to the, you know, the Register of Deeds, and it's a done deal, right? I mean, it's uh, uh, amen. You get a couple of witnesses. But over there, you're signing all these papers. Why do they have all this? Because... You're now part of the family. It's like the head priest came up to me and said, you are now part of the family. And I'm going, what does that mean? Does it mean I'm an ancient Coptic, you know? And I told Leona, I'm going to order some smoke as a canter uh, with a boat. And I'm going to start doing smoke and water. I'm going to start walking down there and doing smoke and water and everything. Isn't that amazing? Y'all would just think it's something else that I'm... And I tried to find a Methodism, any church of Methodism that doesn't, and they don't, so I've got to adopt a new tradition. Because it was very impressive. That priest was walking down throwing smoke and water. It was like a, it was like a movie premiere. See, there's benefits. Now, y'all don't have the benefit of me doing that here because I'm more of the traditional, the stand and proclaim, the gospel being shared, the gospel being made known, and stories that touch our hearts and touch our souls. And what David is saying is we shouldn't forget all that God is doing for us. And notice, I didn't make it about us alone, but us together. Every benefit I stated is about the communion, the connection that we have with one another. And then he makes it personal. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals you of all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. Wow. There he touches upon why we should be really thankful. It's not just what God does in our lives and with our families and with the community of faith we share with and the great connection of the church, but God knows and understands who we are more than anyone else does because God's seen us in every situation. He's seen us in the good and in the bad, the rain and in the sun. God forgives us for our iniquity. And then he not only forgives us, and then he heals us. Now some will dispute that and say there's no such thing as healing, but I've seen witnesses of healing. It says in the scripture uh, to have elders pray, healing takes place. God is a God of healing. If you look at what Jesus did all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he did healing. Imagine the creator God coming and his son incarnate, and what he does is heal us. And why would God heal us? other than to tell us God loves us. See, he heals all our diseases. And then he redeems our life from the pit. When you see the pit in the Old Testament, it's talking about with the bad place. It's talking about the place where the dominion of the devil is and evil is and the demons are. And he says he redeems us from the pit. 
I've heard some people say that the world we, lo- you know, we walk in is the bad place, but it's not. Believe me, it could be a lot worse, and it is a lot worse in the pit. I was reading the other day about the prison of out west where the most criminally minded people in the world are kept. I didn't know the prison existed. I often wondered where the Unabomber went, the shoe bomber went, the underwear bomber went. You know, all these people, the 9-11 people, inmates in this prison out west. Just 98. They don't let but only the meanest of the mean into this prison. And for 23 hours, they're kept in solitary confinement. Then they're let out for one hour inside of a cement pool where the sides are raised up with no water to allow to be outside. Then they're brought back in. They're not allowed any connection to the outside world. That's where El Chapo is, you know, the bad guy, the multi-billionaire drug lord from Mexico who built the tunnels and and he's the one that brought in all the bad drugs in America. He controlled at 1.85% of the drugs coming into this country. Well, you know, they kept arresting him in Mexico, and he kept having escape tunnels built. Well, he's not getting out of where he's at now. Because we got him, and it's even beyond maximum security, like at Butner and all these other places. This prison, I didn't even know existed, and it does, and it has the meanest. Well, as bad as that is, and the isolation, and these bad people that are there, the pit is worse. He forgives us our iniquity. He heals our diseases. He redeems our lives from the pit. And what does he do once he redeems it? He doesn't just let us go. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So he now crowns us with a new title. You're mine. So instead of it being where the devil is saying, this person belongs to me, now Jesus with his nail-scarred hands is saying, this child belongs to me. He's one of mine. He belongs to me. I have delivered him by the blood of the cross. I have delivered him by the empty tomb. He belongs to me. See, now you know how the poem went from I am who I am to I am who I am in Christ. My identity is based in Christ. Jerome, apart from Christ, is nothing, a vapor, a mist that's scattered by the wind. But in Christ, I belong to the Lord, and I'm a part of a glorious and a great thing. He satisfies us with good as long as we live so that your youth is renewed like the eagles, is what it says. The Old Testament loves to use the natural order. And I do too. I'm always looking for signs. Did you know before we moved here, we were on the Outer Banks? We had signs. Uh, so Leona came in one day and said a ladybug was flying west uh, when it got off her car. And I said, there it is. Sign telling us we're going west. Some of you may say, that's not true, that's not accurate, you're a weird preacher. Well, we may be, I may be, but I'm always looking for signs because I know God is telling me things. God is opening my eyes to seeing things. I can tell you my grandmother, the one that was going to teach Leona how to cook biscuits, she saw signs everywhere. She would tell us it was going to rain. She had a mystic way about it. She's the one when she was 100 and I guess four years old, she went to the hospice house in Wideville, over in Wideville, North Carolina, and we all gathered in, and we thought her time had finally come. Grandma, who's seen so many things, so much generation, she stayed about four days and decided to leave. She told him she, she didn't feel like you know, staying there anymore, and she walked out of the hospice house at 104 years old. 
we kind of looked at each other going, I, I just, I don't know. And I, I told Leon, I was glad I had that bloodline, you know. Well, I don't know if I am or not as sad as this old world is. I don't know how much more sadness I can take when I see the children now afraid. And the world we live in is messed up as it is. But I see God's mercy and grace also. He satisfies us with good as long as we live. And a person has a choice. Thanksgiving really is about choice. What do we choose to see? Do we choose to see we're thankful for what God is doing, has done, and will do? Or are we not? He satisfies us with good. No matter where we are, if we choose to see this relationship, we can find the good that is there, no matter how much the sorrow may seem, no matter how it can be great, is that God is doing good. So we look for the good in life, and the more we see the good in life, the more we see the potential and the possibilities, the infinite possibilities become the finite probabilities. And then when we take that step on the path, God then opens up the way so that we can find the pattern that we need to be successful in life. Now, as you know, the Carolina Tar Heels, they won today, and we celebrate that. There we go. Let's go and let's go and talk about it. Greatest upset in the history of the past 15 years took place. Cameron Indoor Stadium. The great Duke, number one in the nation. Great team. Team that we love to have competition with. And a school Hannah actually goes to now, Duke. Well, Duke uh, faced um, Austin F. Joseph F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin, thank you. I see they're so small there in Texas. And they won. And the boy that hit the winning shot. Did y'all read this story? You need to look it up over Thanksgiving. The boy that hit the winning shot is from the Bahamas. His father's a preacher. The Hurricane 5 uh, that came through this past uh, season, it devastated his house. It devastated his father's church. The school at Stephen F. Austin College set up a GoFundMe page, and the GoFundMe page had $2,000. Their initial goal was, well, I think it was $25,000. After he hit the winning shot, and he got on TV, and they asked him about it, he said, I'm just so filled with emotion, I'm not even able to talk right now. I've seen so much with destruction. And he talked about his home and his, his father's church. Um, I want you to know that it's over, it's over $55,000 that's poured into that GoMe fund since he hit that shot. Now his father will be able to not only rebuild the church, but they'll rebuild the house. And I can tell you who gave most of the money. Carolina fans, amen. I <laughs> you know they did. Because we'll give funding... Uh, to those that beat Duke. But when we get to heaven, there's not going to be a floor for Duke and a floor for Carolina. It's just going to be one floor that by the grace of God, we're going to make it. I'm grateful for this story of this young man and his redemption. And I'm grateful for Duke being the great team that they are. And I'm grateful that we're able to find good in the midst of the challenges of life he satisfies us with good as long as we live so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. 
so that no matter how our lives may get messed up in the storms, God is able to make the way for miracles to take place and for not only our lives to be rebuilt, but our lives redeemed and renewed like the eagle. Amen. I invite you now to turn to page, um, I guess it's page 15, our Word and Service Table 3. Yeah, that's correct. We'll do the great Thanksgiving, and then Hannah will come up and help me serve. <laughs> 